Good morning. I'm the tall, good-looking version of Gene Hall. Uh, the, uh, give a few disclaimers this morning. Um, first of all, if I, if I say anything that's not something that Gene would say or whatever, you know, just wait for him to get back and tell on me. Uh, <laughs> and if I say anything really crazy, the, the exits are clearly marked. <laughs> you, can, you can run on out. Um, yeah, where's Charlena? Where'd she go? I wanted to say it with her in here. She called me the other day and Charlena. said, huh? No, that's all right. No, don't worry about it. She called me the other day and wanted to know if there was anything um, I, I wanted. I told her I wanted limo service from my house to here. And a little white wine right here would be fine. What did I get? <laughs> no, we love... We love Pastor Lee so much that we brought him his limousine. <laughs> and we brought him his wine. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So... Your request was made yeah. known. Had a little more than a picture. And there's your wine. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. the Lord provided. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Facts are true. <laughs> yep. That's a great limo, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it would be if it were really here. <laughs> I, um... It is in the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to turn with me to John 18 if you got a Bibles. But I um I want to say a couple of something else too, but uh I'm going to be speaking today on the the truth and the difference between the facts and the truth. You've always heard that said, you know, that, that sometimes you got facts, but that doesn't mean you've got the whole truth. And I want to talk today about that so that you can understand a little bit more about the process that God works to us. Um, you know, I, there's been many times in my life where I've just been standing there and stuff is going on all around me and I'm just saying, information, please, Lord, just something. And uh, and then I, but the thing is, is if everything's based in truth, then the facts work out. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But... Uh, if, how many of y'all are old enough to remember um, a program called Dragnet? A few of you, okay. You're not. You're not admitting to it. <laughs> okay, I got. Say answer. <laughs> that was rhetorical. Yeah. Well, I uh, y'all would remember Jack Webb used to say, Sergeant Friday. Just the facts. Yeah, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, because he could sort out the truth if he had enough facts. 
And that's what we need. That's what we need. We need not just facts. We need the truth. And I, um, in John 18, verse 36, says Jesus is answering Pilate here, and he said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. Now when he's saying that, he is, that is, doesn't really come across like uh, you're saying and I'm not. Really what that means is, yes, I'm a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I unto the world, into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto, unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Can you just imagine there's Pilate sitting there rhetorically answering something that Jesus said and having a comment about the truth and just kind of, what's truth? Uh, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And what is truth? And, and if he really, if it was um, honest inquiry, he would have stayed for an answer, but he didn't. He's, and the thing is, is that what is so really pathetic about the whole situation is, is that truth was standing right in front of him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And you shall know the truth, and it will set you free. And you know that we come to a place a lot of times where the truth has to smack us in the face, and we still don't see it until eventually. I was with a group. I've got a, a degree in um, counseling, and so I was asked to go to a group of um, psychologists and counselors and um, I'll just throw this out. How many of y'all know the difference between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and a counselor? I know you do. You, yeah, you and I know you do too. You're, you are one. Okay. All right. Well, the truth is that there is, that a psychiatrist is an MD and he's a, he's a doctor. And what he likes to do is come in and say, how do you feel? What you're thinking? All this kind of stuff. Spend five minutes with you and say, here, let me write this for you. Take it and maybe let's see how it works in a month. And when you come back, we'll see if you've been numbed out enough to enjoy life. Uh, a psychologist comes and works with somebody for years sometimes dealing with psychosis and all kind of stuff and using their favorite guru's techniques. And a counselor will be someone who listens to the problem and helps the person make a decision. Doesn't give them the decision, it helps them with the decision. 
Here, here, and here has led to here. Here, here, and here, if you do that, you can get to here. Was it right, Brenda? Okay. <laughs> the, but anyway, I was sitting in the midst of all of this group, and they were talking, and they, they, uh, and we were supposed to go into discussion time, and so we discussed uh, what what do we need to do our jobs better. Now here I am, a Christian counselor, and just because I had a PhD didn't didn't impress them at all because I wasn't secular enough. But um, the they once one guy piped up said, "We need more government money. If we had more government money, the problem would be over." And uh, then, well, we just need more staff. There's just we're overrun by things. We need free services. We need some. What do you call them? Grants, so we can give free services and stuff like that. And I remember looking at him and saying, no, you just need the Spirit of God. The truth is, you, you can use all that. I'm not saying that was a bad thing, but I'm going to tell you what you need is God. The Spirit of God, and you can help these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, went over real down pretty quick with him, but I... It, you know, we got to face the facts sometimes, they say. But I'd rather face the facts than the truth because the truth is the bottom line. I remember there's a man, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of him, but I, his name's Uncle Arthur Burt. He's 103 now. Yeah, y'all have seen him before. He's been to my church, been to a lot... Uh, he's from Wales, actually English-born, but lives in Wales now. And he said, uh, in, in a, something that my wife told me about today, reminded me so that she gets, I don't steal her thunder, uh, <laughs> uh, that, that he had said. He's, and, and one of the things is that he says, he, he, he says, I've come over to America hundreds of times. And he says, you would think that somebody would offer me tea sometimes. I mean, hot tea, not cold iced tea. He said, he said y'all are just nuts for drinking iced tea. But he says, <laughs> <laughs> the hot tea, his whole culture is built around tea time, you know, and everything. you think somebody would offer him tea. He says, it it never happens. He says, that's the facts. He says, now the truth is, I don't like tea. <laughs> and so he says, it never bothered me. Uh, there, there's always what Paul Harvey used to say was the end of the story, the rest of the story. You know, it, there's all these facts, and then he comes back after an advertisement and just throws a whole different aspect on what, what had just happened or what he had just said. I, um, do you know, let me ask you, 
How many of you realize what, can give me a definition maybe, or think about what the definition of somebody who is apostate versus reprobate? Tough one there. Um, they were spoken of in, in certain people. Certain people were in uh, were described in Scripture as apostate. Well, being apostate means you knew the truth and you turned from it. Being reprobate means you never, you weren't even worthy to hear the truth. Now, God wants everybody to hear the truth, but they were so vile in Romans, especially, was it chapter 1 uh, that, and 2, that they were reprobate, turned over to reprobate minds. They weren't even able to hear the truth. <coughs> and each one of us has our version of the truth and our aspect of it, and our side of it. Let me explain that. And it's a good thing. I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just that we don't, all of us, there's very few of us that have the complete picture. Only, only God can give you that. But I, I, there was a man, he, he died not long ago. His name was Hugh Arnold. And Hugh, uh, I don't care where he started. I don't care what the name of the, sermon was about, whatever. It was always end up in love. He always, Every sermon he ever preached had was really the basis of it was love. And I asked him one time, I said, Hugh, surely there's something else you want to preach about or whatever. And he says, well, he says, when the body of Christ gets it, I'll stop preaching it. But he had an aspect of seeing that love was really the basic thing. And if you had that, things could be built on. But every one of us has that, our own thing. And his was love. And if you wanted a week full of love, you just bring him in and let him preach. The um, I'm going to turn to John 14. See if I can find that real quick. Yeah, fourteen twenty-one. Believe that's right. Yep. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him. Now that's a great promise there. It's wonderful. But here's even better. And will manifest myself to him. Now that's either true or it isn't, folks. What does that mean? Manifest. To reveal, display, show. That means tangibly I'm going to show myself to him. We don't recognize that as a, as a promise, but it is. And what, what's the conditions of that? You have to know his commandments and keep them. You say, well, you mean the Ten Commandments? No. That you must love your neighbor, love God with all your heart 
and your neighbor as yourself. He says, in that, all the commandments come together. I, um, it's more than just symbolic a lot of times that we have to, to understand the real truth. See, the Holy Ghost comes to us when we're saved. We say, well, I invited Jesus into my heart. No, you didn't. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for you right now. It's the Holy Spirit. He had to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come. And um, I, he came to show us all things, to teach us all truth, in other words, and show us things to come. And I, I want to have that type of life that, that displays the truth, just not the facts. But we all, with open face, beholding in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now, think about it. Glory to glory experiences you can only move in that when you're in the truth. You can't move in that when you just got a bunch of facts. There's been a, many, a great deal of my life, I, I took the, the, the facts and understood a lot of stuff. But until you really are in the presence of God and he's manifesting himself to you. You're not really where... I can compare myself against others and say, well, I'm preaching the gospel. Some of them aren't. I'm trying to live right. Some of them aren't. But until I'm... Until, my anointing is somewhat limited until God speaks to me and reveals himself to me. It's not that I don't have an anointing. It's that my anointing is limited just because I have the facts. I went to... Um, but you get a personal manifestation if you love God and the brethren. A personal one. It's right there promised to you. I didn't make it up. It's right there. Um, hmm. I remember going back to uh, Hartwell a few years ago, Hartwell, Georgia, where I worked in a textile mill. And one day, I discovered something in the mill. I saw a mistake had been made, quickly reported it, saved the company a million dollars. I mean, at least. If I had if I'd have said nothing and let it go, it would have been, I mean, people would have lost their jobs because we'd had to stop everything. 
take everything out and start all over because of contamination. And I, I, I reported it. My boss got so mad at me. And yet we, because we had to come in and do some stuff. I mean, it was just, it was a real mess. And it had happened on the shift before me. And when I came in, I noticed it. And I remember telling, I, I called the weave room man in. I was in the spinning room and I, and I called the weave room man in and I said, I didn't tell him exactly what was going on. I just told him, it would be good of you to go check something. It'd be the smart thing to do. So he just picked up a special light and walked over and, and took off. I could, I mean, he took straight off. And because I knew what my boss was going to think about what I'd done. And I told, and, and a couple of days later, they called me in and fired me. Guy had just saved them millions of dollars. One of the reasons was, that was a fact. The truth was that the guys on other shifts were uh, all family. And somebody's head had to roll. So the guy who saved the thing ended up getting fired. And I remember the president coming in, calling me into his office and calling me up. I mean, just bringing me in. He says, um, Lee, now I'd already started our church in Harwell. Been going about a year. His name was Mr. McSwain. And he said, Lee, I know the truth. He says, um, we've never done this before, but we're going to let you draw six months unemployment. We're going to give you some severance pay. And he says, you're called into the ministry. He said, if, if I wasn't a deacon at First Baptist, I'd have been at your church. He says, go. He says, this is, he says, you need, you need to go ahead and build your church up. And I said, thank you, Mr. McSwain. I went back a couple of years ago and looked, he'd, he'd long since re retired, but I went back and I said, Mr. McSwain. And he was glad to see me. And, and I said, uh, his wife had recently died. And, and I, I told him, Mr. McSwain, I want you to know one thing. I said, the facts are that I was unjustly fired. The truth was, that you set me free to minister fully. And, and he, he just broke down and cried because he said, I was just praying today had I ever done anything for God. I, uh, you remember when I did that. You didn't go with me, but you were with me in Hartwood. There's a lot of things like that. I've got quite a few stories and I want I was reading an article one time about a guy by the name of um, 
I can't, talk, his name was Billy Ross. Billy, you remember that article? Yeah. Because I read it to him. I read it to her. Billy was, um, the guy who was writing the article said uh, that, that they noticed it was this, he was a giant of a man, about 6'6". But he had been, there was something wrong with him. And he was um, um, some distant relative, but he worked at a place and the public always saw him. And he, he just, you could look at him and see something wasn't right. And he, he was real scary, real scary, huge man. And and he was just somebody who um, he was maimed a little bit. There's something wrong with his head. And every time that he did something wrong, he's five years old. Every time he did something wrong, his mother would say, "I'm gonna. If you don't straighten up, I'm gonna let that man eat you alive. He's gonna eat you up, gobble you up. That monster of a man over there." And uh, he said, I'd straighten up pretty quick under that threat. And he says, you know, for years, he'd see that guy. He said, he, he came in one day and, and he'd done something wrong and his mother was dragging him up there to see Billy Ross. That was the punishment. And, it, and, and so Billy just, just sat there and behind the, the, the bench or something that he was at working at. And he yanked off his ear because it was a plastic ear. Then he, he pulled out his teeth. And then to the coup de grace, he pulled out an eyeball. Put them all down. He says, I was scared to death. <laughs> he, said, he didn't know what he was going to pull out next, but he said, he, he said I went into panic mode. And... Uh, and he says, I straightened up for a long time after that one. And the truth, however, of the situation was that Billy had won a silver star. He's a Marine for, for carrying two men under his arm while being fired upon and dragging two others. A huge guy and dragging two others while being fired upon, and he got hit by some bullets and took off half his head. And, uh, and he, was, he was in on the gag the whole time. He just acted like a monster whenever the little five-year-old came around so he could go with it. A lot of times we're in situations where we've got to understand the real truth. And we're afraid of something that really isn't fearful. Now, we're to fear God, not the enemy. Now, great men make the ordinary extraordinary. Sometimes when somebody does something, they do it so well that it becomes something that you never forget after that. But it's just an ordinary thing. Um... And it changes forever how you look at it. 
Jesus um, made a boat ride a casual walk. He made a funeral a joyous occasion because it was coming right by him and the, the, the boy was on it and he just healed him right away. He made a wedding that was turning real sour into a real joyous, joyous occasion. And he made a, a uh, temple worship a cleansing time. He made eating a Seder meal a memory. Do this in remembrance of me. And he made washing feet a ritual. Think about that. Something so ordinary as wash or subordinary as washing feet. He made that into a ritual. Uh, Sharon, would you come up and share for just a minute what you shared with me earlier? Like I said, she'll get mad if I... <laughs> Chris knows what I'm talking about. Come on up here. <laughs> here, here. Can you guys hear me? Well, there, there, there may, may be... Here we go. Oh, there's another one? Okay. No, Lee and I tag team a lot. He'll say, God, speak to me about this, and I'll be praying. And um, Anyway, when he was talking to me about his message this morning and I had gotten in the Word, I, I just want to challenge you about something this morning. In John 15 and 16, Jesus is, knows he's about to die, and he's talking to his disciples. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He talks about, you know, greater love has no one than to lay down their life for a friend. And he's going on, and then he starts saying, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And he starts talking about the bad things that he went through and how the same thing's going to happen to you. And during all this discourse, he's telling them about, he's been telling them he's going to die. He's been telling them all this is going to happen. And you see they're just getting more and more freaked out. And he says, I'm telling you these things so that when the hour comes, you can remember what I told you. And so he says, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask, where are you going? But because I said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. And nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And what the Lord began to speak to me about is it's awesome for us to have testimonies. That's an incredible thing. But we cannot afford to base our lives on facts and experience. We have to base our lives on the leading of the Holy Spirit. So if you'll allow me for a minute, let's think about what's going on here, what they've experienced what the facts are. Jesus says he's going to die. And he's a sacrifice. Well, we know that according to the Old Testament and according to how they've been raised and according to what they understand, that there had to be a sacrifice for sin. 
They knew that in their culture. They knew that each year they had to go and sacrifice an animal without blemish. So for Jesus to say on the sacrifice for sin was not, for us as a Gentile during that time, it would have been, this is really strange. But for them it wasn't. So according to their experience and according to the truth and the facts, we can flow with that. Well, let's look at the second part of that. He says he has to die. Now, I think this is interesting that God did this. Lee mentioned one experience they had with death was the young boy. But the second experience they had with death was Lazarus. And Lazarus was in the grave, according to Jewish tradition, after three days, the spirit, the soul, everything was gone. So the the remarkable thing about Lazarus' resurrection was it was after it was finished, as far as their cultures, as far as their teachings were concerned. So when Jesus says he's going to die, now if I were a disciple, I would think, you know what? Sure, you're going to die. Sure, I understand that you're a sacrifice for sins. But here's my hope. After three days, you're coming back. And he told him that was going to happen. Now, when Lazarus rose after three days, he still walked and talked, and he was on the earth. And he resumed his life. So I thought, according to what they've experienced, according to the facts, if I were a disciple, that probably would be, okay, we understand all this is going to go on, and you're going to die for our sins, and you're going to be resurrected, but guess what? You're going to be back here with us. And their hope all along was he was going to be what? The king, overcome the Romans, do all that. That was what was in their hearts. And I don't doubt that at this time, based on what they'd experienced of God, that for some of them, and then he throws this wrench in the story. He says, if I leave, the Holy Spirit can't come. That's the truth. That's the truth in the matter. What's their experience with the Holy Spirit? In the Old Testament, he kind of comes and goes. If you read the Old Testament, he shows up, he speaks to somebody, he shows up, he does something, and then he's out of there. So that's their experience. But what Jesus was trying to tell them was, I leave. Now think about this. They've walked with Jesus, but when I leave, the very presence, the very essence, the very person of God can come in and dwell you which is completely out of their scope of what they've experienced. And so God began to speak to me and he said, Sharon, just like Lee was just sharing with y'all, the greater things, he says, greater things we're going to do, the greater things God wants to do. And I think we need to be careful of not getting caught in the trap of our testimony, of facts, of what we've experienced in God, that he can't take us way beyond, way beyond what we can even hope or imagine that he's going to do in our lives. Amen. Amen. Good. Now, there's a few facts that I'll just share with you. One of them is I can't sing like Pavarotti could. I know y'all are shocked on that. Um, I can't preach like Billy Graham. Can't play golf like Jordan Spieth. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, 
I can barely beat Carrie. Anyway. <laughs> but the truth is, I'm not supposed to. It's not my call to be that. That's what they do. That's not what I do. It would be nice to be able to do that, but I can't. And if you know the truth, if there's something you can do. You can take all these facts and place them and, and in proper order. But if you don't know the truth and you got a bunch of facts, you might as well just throw them up in the air. You need to know what the conclusion is in order to put the piece of puzzle. You know, have, have you ever done a puzzle and you get the box and you get the, it's got the picture of the puzzle on it, so you're going, yeah, okay, and you can kind of know where you're heading with that thing. But if you just got a bunch of, <laughs> of things there that, that are just a uh, thousand pieces, it's real hard to come up with a conclusion there of what, it, what that thing's supposed to be. My father, who was probably a great influence in my life, of course, but he, he was one of these individuals. He was, when he walked into the room, he was the smartest person, at least in his own mind. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know. So he was. He had to be the smartest guy in the room. And, uh, and, that's just, and he always was having his own solutions to everything. And, I, and my mother had bought some guineas one time. And, you know, these little birds make a lot. The worst sounding chirps you've ever heard from a bird. Why in the world she wanted guineas, I don't know. But anyway, one of them escaped. And they couldn't get it because it couldn't fly away, but it could fly enough to get up in trees and, and stuff. And, one, and, and so... It came every morning out on my parents' porch. It, it's got the whole woods to do its business in and decided it liked the porch. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And he, especially right there on the rail. And, 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 you know what's coming. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> anyway, so... He did everything he could to shoo it off and do everything. And, of course, he wanted to just shoot the bird. But my mother would have shot him had he done that. So, you know, he had all these things and all the things that he was putting together. And so he finally figured it out. He ran a little wire all the way down the rail and attached it to the inside of the house where a light switch and so he decided that he was, you know, and he would just sit there behind the curtain, being the <laughs> genius that he was, and, and do it, you know, just flip it when he came and give him the hot foot of all time, and he'd take off and he'd never land on the rail again. Well, you know, that would have worked well if he hadn't have figured out that when, you know, there's as much in one of those light sockets there as, as there is for this whole building. Do you understand that? It all goes to wherever it's pulling. And literally, when he flipped that switch, it, there was, the spark caught the wood on fire. I mean, it was all over the... And, and of course, we had roast guinea. And, and, 
And my mother didn't speak to him for a week. But see, when we're left to our own devices with the talents that we have and the thoughts that we have about certain things, and everything was done just to make sure the bird was going to be okay, and all it did was cost him hundreds of dollars to get the porch repainted as well. It, it was a, you know, that's a lot of times when we do things on our own, that's where it comes. Now, I want to show you, I just want to quickly go over a couple of things. John, the first chapter, and I'll be through in just a minute. Facts versus the truth. I've got to go slow in this thing. I'll rip pages if I don't. All right, in John 1.14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, This was the, He of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have, have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It's a total companion to truth is grace. If we're walking in the truth and not just the facts, but the truth, I, I, I can you know, I, I can win the argument maybe with some facts, but if I've got the truth, then I have the grace of God working with me. And, and that right there is enough to, to know. If, but let me say this. If grace, if I'm going to be like Jesus, if grace is extended to me, then I have to extend grace to others. That would be a natural attribute of someone who has a changed heart. That not, I'm not a finger point know-it-all. I'm somebody who understands where that person is and tries to show grace to them. You're not endorsing their sin by doing that, but loving them while they are still sinners. That's what God did for us. I don't know if I've told you this one. I think I may have told this before, but God sees things from the total picture. That's the reason it's always in truth. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he sees everything. We see a part, and he sees it all. And I was coming home one day, and I walked in, and my son, who was actually raised in Mexico, was watching a football game. And he was sitting there, and, 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 and I, I looked at the game for a second, and I said, because he loved soccer, he didn't like our football as much, but he was trying to learn the game. And 
And I, I said, well, do you really understand what you're watching? He said, I think I've got it. I think I understand and everything. I said, well, if you really understand it, I said, what's going to happen next is that when the guy hikes the ball, he'll probably hand it off to a halfback and he'll run it around the, the end. Sure enough, gave it to the guy and he ran around the end. And he went, wow, that's, yeah, yeah. Well, how do you know that? And I said, well, I, I know football. And he says, well, uh, I said, the next, shoot, the next one, he'll probably drop back and throw a pass because he's got about six yards to go. And he's probably, you know, he's, and I said, he'll probably throw a pass. And, uh, and, and he said, okay. So sure enough, backed up, threw a pass. I called about four more straight plays just like that. And he's looking at me. Wow, how do you how do you know? I mean, it, uh, he, said, uh, he said, "Did you play football?" No. I said, "Were you a coach?" No. Uh, this is it was Tuesday night, and the game had been played Sunday, and I'd watched the game Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> so I knew what was going to happen. <laughs> you know, and, and <laughs> now when when you've got that kind of understanding. You understand what I'm saying? That God's calling all the plays. He knows what's going on. He's in total control. You understanding me? And uh, so when he's given grace and truth, it's it's the full picture. He doesn't just... Most of us think that God works on a need-to-know basis. Kerry doesn't need to know what's going on down in Darien, so there's no point in telling him. Well, you know, the thing is, that it wouldn't hurt for Carrie to know what's going on in my life because we're good friends and he, we play golf together. I, I beat him every week. And <laughs> that's not the truth. <laughs> no, no, that's not the truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, uh, you got to understand, Carrie went and bought himself a game the other day when he went with his clubs. He just... Uh, that, that that explains it. That's the rest of the story. Oh no 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 no. Anyway, you know we talk around here, especially Gene. Gene did a, a marvelous revelation that he, he's got here, but and especially about spots and wrinkles. I mean, you know, about that scripture about spots mostly. And, and and he's done an extensive thing on spots and how they are um, blemishes and and they're in, inner things within us that have to be cleansed. They have to be driven out if we're growing in, in grace. Am I right? Yeah. And 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 I'm not even about to say that I can add any to what he's done on that because it's been, that was eye-opening to me, a lot of these things that he's got up here and a few that still are somewhere else. But uh, the, you know, when I first saw this one, I'm going, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm going up to, you have to fight through the second heaven to get to anywhere. And why is it that there's a, you know, this is the devil's territory in the air. Well, that's what it says in Scripture. That's where it was assigned. And he's always looking for a place to land. And it says, give no place to the devil. 
And if we just somehow get over here and worship, we just explode through the through the thing. There's just so many good things that 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 I've learned from Gene about especially about spots. But wrinkles, it's you know what it what they are? Huh? No? I'll tell you exactly what they are. In scripture, I'm talking about the Greek. They are a, a like a furrowed brow, is what it means. And it, what it means is a sign of age. And so it ta- tells us in Ephesians that we're coming back for he's, he, that he's developing a church and going to present himself a church without spot or wrinkle. In other words, without any blemishes and without any sign of age. Now, let me tell you, how are you going to do that for yourself? You can't. There has to be an encounter with God so that you can be changed into His image from glory to glory. That's what ministry is really all about. It's about people presenting you with the facts or perspectives. And from that, you have to determine the truth and help them find the truth. I told you last time, and I'm not going into the story, but about my father dying, and I didn't know for five months that somebody had come come into the, the to his bedroom, uh, to the room, and had led him to the Lord the night that he had died. And I was supposed to be coming back to talk to him. And for five months, I didn't know it. And then I found out because the minister wrote to my mother. And uh, anyway, uh, sometimes we just have to trust that God knows what he's doing. Because I'm sitting there going, what? I was on my way to talk to him the first time ever he was going to listen. And... He was dying and he knew it. And then he he dies before I can get there. And yet God took care of the situation. One of his old fishing buddies came in and led him to Jesus. The truth, a lot of times... I remember Vaughn Clark once saying when he came to our church, he says, you know what you used to wear at 25, if you put it on now at 50, it's tragic. You look good before. <laughs> and, you know, it's the truth. I, I, I found something the other day that I could still wear from back then. I could put it on. But just because I could wear it doesn't mean I should have. Because <laughs> I look like a string with a knot tied in it, you know, it all goes to here. And so, so you know, we're in a, in a situation where a lot of times we have to deal with the fact that we have a few wrinkles. But God knows that we... He sees us in here. He knows who we are. 
and he is so there's so much it, there has to be grace for there's somebody like me to get up and tell you about him if 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 if, if you saw me before I was saved you wouldn't listen to a word I had to say. And if you saw me sometimes on the golf course, you wouldn't listen to a word I had to say. You're not painting a very good plane for me. Yeah, I'm still trying to woo my wife into buying me that golf club that Carrie's wife let him buy. <laughs> Anyhow, um, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it is it is a truth that we that in spite of a lot of times, not because of, God uses us, and he and he shows us some things. And I'm just I'm I'm I consider it a real privilege to be here. You know, they stayed away by the thousands today. You understand? I mean, was, there's only a few few people here, but. That's okay. I don't have to have a crowd. I just have. I just want people here that want to hear. I had a. I went to a Amway meeting one time, and this, the guy, got up, and I didn't know it was an Amway. Nobody knew it was a secret thing. They, they told up to people, not tell people. So you get there, and this guy stands up, and he says, "I want everybody to know." He says that this is an Amway thing. He says, now, if there's anybody here, that they'd already said a few things. He says, if there's anybody here that doesn't, now that you know it's Amway and you don't want part of it, just leave. And a couple of people left. And he got up afterward and says, I don't want to waste my time speaking to people who don't want to hear what I have to say. He says, I always dismiss people for that. And he says, if people that are here because they want to be are going to get something for it. I guarantee you, I may, I, you may have just been lost in wherever I was heading, but you got something today. You got something you can work with. If you, if you just walk with one nugget out of here, you don't have to have the whole gold mine. And that was my attempt. And it probably wasn't me. It was probably when Sharon stood up. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it's been good to be here this morning, and uh, I'm going to let you go for lunch. I don't know. I'm going to turn it over to Carrie or whoever. Lee, thank you. Oh, I forgot to take up the offering. I, I need to take up an offering. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody's a comedian. Praise God. I am privileged to, to um, be able to spend time with Dr. Lee, and we have a wonderful, wonderful friendship. And the fact is, since we're talking about facts and uh, truth, the, the fact is he's probably a stroke or two better than me, but the truth is, he's running scared because I've been coming really hard quickly. That's the truth. Now, the funny thing is, I'm going to close this out. This is this is another true story about the facts and the truth. You know, before I married Paige, I was dating a 
another school teacher. True story. And I was kind of like, really liking a school teacher. Um, she was beautiful like Paige. I mean, it was all good, right? So she invites me over to her apartment one night for dinner. But the night before, I had watched an episode of Jeopardy. I like Jeopardy sometimes. So when I get to the apartment, I walk in the door and the TV's going, right? And I'm hearing, I'm like, oh, Jeopardy's on. And so I get to watching, and it was the same episode I'd watched the night before. So like Dr. Lee, I knew all the answers. Now, if you've ever watched Jeopardy, some of, some of those, especially when they get into American literature, I am a dummy. I am worse than a dummy. Geography, I'm good. Modern stuff, I'm good. You get into literacy, I mean, uh, literature, <laughs> literacy, yes. <laughs> I'm really bad about that too. But they, this one category, right? This guy was brilliant. He's like, you know, literature for 300, 600. And I was like spitting out the answers before the guy could. And she's in the kitchen going, I mean, she thought I was a genius. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Bubba, I'm getting me some points tonight. I'm scoring right now. You know, <laughs> this was, it was so stinking funny. So the whole thing is, she's like, so finally, when the, I just about answered, I mean, it was amazing how I could remember the answers, right? And she goes, I didn't know you were that smart. <laughs> And um, and she was very intelligent. She writes grants for Armstrong, right? And I said, well, I'm just going to confess I'm not. I watched that same episode the night before. <laughs> the truth and the fact. That's awesome, though. <laughs> she did. She did. Because she was amazed. No. Listen, we, we honor you guys for coming today. Thank you. Yes. We always, the word never returns void. So with all said, everybody good? Let's stand on our feet, please. Father, we just seal this word in the name of Jesus. Father, we go out today, Lord. Let the truth of your spirit dwell on us. Let us personify truth in all that we say and do. In his mighty holy name, amen.